Welcome to Thrive Deeper, the show based on the Thrive Bible Reading Guides. This is an ongoing conversation about God's Word with Thrive author, Dr. Matthew Jacoby. How's the... How's that new studio coming along? It's coming along. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, last, last night. It's looking good. It actually really looks like a studio. Yeah, yeah. Looks like we're professional, doesn't it? It, it looks like it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, only, if only we were. Anyway. Well, man, nice. here we are. Thrive yeah. Deeper. 140, mm. can you believe? 140 yeah. episodes of Thrive Deeper. We're, lo- we're looking at Romans 7 and, and halfway into... We are. Thanks for the reminder. Romans, yeah, and halfway into chapter 8 today. A huge, a huge amount of uh, content here to work through and mm. some, just some really powerful stuff. Chapter 8, you know, is, is considered by many to be probably one of the greatest mm. books in the Bible, um, chapters in the Bible, I should say. So looking forward to, to digging into that. Yeah. Just a quick recap, Matt, before yeah, we go. jump in. And, you know, so far, uh, we're, we've been looking at, obviously, the book of Romans. This is Paul's letter to the church in Rome, which at the time was made up of both Jewish and Gentile believers. Uh, Paul's been explaining to us how we can't be reconciled with God or live lives acceptable to God by keeping the law, or which is, of course, referring to the Old Testament law or the Torah. The only way to be made right with God is by grace through faith in Jesus, his death and resurrection. So to be righteous before God, we must identify with the death and resurrection of Jesus mm. on our behalf. And this is really well summed up, I think, in um, 2 Corinthians 5.17, which in my paraphrase kind of sends a f- says, if anyone is in Christ, meaning have received the righteousness yeah. identified by the faith and death of the resurrection of Christ, they are a new yeah. creation. And so now we've got this option, and Paul's going to go into this mm. in this next part of Romans, where we need to choose to live in this freedom and mm. serve and serve our new master, Jesus. So yeah. Really exciting stuff. Yeah. The big, you know, the big question there, Stu, that he's, you know, answering is, uh, is a question of um, being in the right with God. I mean, the remarkable thing that he's talking about there, and we saw this in chapter five, is that we can, you don't have to wait until the day of judgment to know whether you measured up or not because Jesus measured up for us. Exactly. And we can know now that verdict. That's yeah. the beautiful thing. Yeah. So he says we have peace with God mm. through our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. Uh, we don't have to live in anguish and never quite knowing whether we are good enough or whether God well, is for us yeah. or not. No, it's, you know, as he says at the end of chapter eight, no, he, you know, God is for us. And if God is for us, who can be against? It's this wonderful perspective of assurance yeah. of God's verdict over our lives that's not based on law keeping, but based purely on us trusting in the gift of Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. And that question, are we good enough? It's actually not about whether we're good enough. It's about <clears throat> yeah. whether we actually trust that Jesus was good enough. Yeah, was that's that right. sacrifice yeah. enough? Yeah, that's right. And, and that's easy to say, but it is yeah. the challenge that we face constantly yeah. in believing and trusting that mm. Jesus was good enough. Yeah. So Now, just before we move on, that whole picture of sort of death and then resurrection and, and life in Christ, you know, the death to the yeah. old. And, you know, the baptism kind of a great picture of that, isn't it? It is, us? yeah. And Paul alludes to that when in chapter 6 he addresses the objection, well, if we're all under grace, we should just go on sinning, right? We can just do whatever we And he basically says, no, 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 that's not the point. The whole point of salvation is that you're saved from your entrapment to the desires of the flesh, as he says, to, yeah. to your sinful nature. You've been, you've been set free from that like he uses the Exodus imagery. You were slaves, but, and um, it's like 
being dead and coming alive again. And he alludes to what was then very much already a well-practiced rite of baptism, Baptism, um, where they went down into the water and came up out of the water. And it was a symbol of that dying and being raised up to life. And that verse that you quoted in Second Corinthians also alludes to that That's same right. sort of thing. You have you are a new creation. Like the old, you've died to the old. And this is going to be important as we move into uh, chapter, chapter seven. seven yeah. Um that that idea that in Christ you have died with Christ to, you know mm. to um in a sense the law has been fulfilled like the law that whose verdict was death penalty, you're failed, yeah. you're guilty. So in a sense he's saying You've actually fulfilled that. That's right. That death penalty has been fulfilled in your case. You have died with Christ, and once you've, once that death penalty has been, um, uh, has been suffered in that sense, you can't be given again. That's right. Past, present, and future. That's right. And so, so in baptism, we identify Mm. with that death, and as we come up out of the water, it's it's that coming up to new life, and. Very much where we go from here is Paul's going to start talking a lot about the new life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Let's dig in, Matt. Yeah. So um, chapter 7, actually, this is where he does get into this idea of uh, of death uh, because, in a sense, we have died that death penalty. Um, you know, you might think, I feel like I failed so much. I don't, you know, I... D- you feel like you deserve the worst yep. rather than the best. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yep. That's true. And you actually did suffer the worst already. That yes. penalty has already been paid in Jesus Christ. And so when we identify with Jesus Christ in that sense, we um, it's, it's as good as paid for. You, you, you're on the other side of that death penalty. Yep. That's what he's saying. And so in a sense, uh, he uses this this illustration from from marriage that you know the 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 marriage covenant holds and then the partner dies um the the other person is released from that uh, uh from that covenant so in the same way he says <clears throat> we were bound in a sense to god's law god's justice god's justice says uh what you sow you reap okay so we all sowed uh wrongdoing mm. we sowed rebellion against god and justice says, well, if if you sow, you have to reap, uh, you have to reap death. And what he's saying here, he's saying we have, we have that has actually been reaped. That's a past, that's a past event now. And so we're on the other side of that. So we have actually, we, it's it's not that the law has been done away with any more than justice has been. You know, the law and the justice are good, as he goes on to say. Yeah, but uh, we. We have actually, like, the, the justice of the law has been fulfilled in our case. Yes. It isn't, and this is important to note, that it, it's not that God sweeps aside, just, he, he doesn't forgive us by sweeping aside the offense. Mm. No, no, he, he pays the offense himself Correct. in Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so because of that, uh, he says... So in verse four, so my brothers and sisters, you all say you also died to the law mm. through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another. Thinking of the marriage thing, so yep. your your relationship with the law bound to the law yeah, is no longer. That's bound right. To the like law. you're not bound in, in the sense of it's and it's not it's not that the law is it's not true. That's right. It's not that the law is disregarded. 
um, but we're no longer condemned by that. We're no longer bound to that trajectory of sowing and reaping yes. the way that we were before. Yep. And so he says, you also died to the Lord through the body of Christ that you may belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit for God. Um, he says uh, down in verse six, but now by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law. The so that, this is the important bit, the so that mm-hmm. is always important because we can stop there. Yep. Um, you know, now by, and, and this goes back to his, argu- his argument in chapter six, where people say, oh, great. So we're let off. Um, God is forgiving. He's always going to forgive us. So, oh, we can just do whatever we want. That's right. There's no, enough for- grace to yeah. cover more sin. Yeah. Let's just sin more. Well, then you've, you've in effect rejected that salvation yes. because salvation is always salvation so that, yeah. Um, yeah. and he says that here, by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the spirit, mm. not in the old way of the written code. Yeah. And through the spirit, as he says in um, chapter eight, uh, in verse four, there's another in order that. So he says um, in verse three, God did this by sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemns sin in the flesh in order that, or so that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Because by the flesh, we couldn't. Mm. We were undermined by our sinful nature. By living by the Spirit, we can actually surmount the sinful nature. We can actually do things that in our sinful nature, or not even, it's actually not doing things, but being someone yes. we could not be yeah. otherwise. And that doesn't mean the power of sin is not still present. It just means yeah. that the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to overcome it. Yeah, that's right. You know, yeah. It's always going to be yeah. there, and Paul even alludes to that yeah, as that's well right. in his own kind of journey. It's yeah. like, it's not that all, all the challenges go yeah. away. It's actually that we've now got the, the Holy Spirit to to help us over. Yeah, that's that. right. Yep. Yeah, so so in this sense the sinful nature is still present but we're no longer bound, bound to, to it. it. That's right. Yeah. That's yeah. that's the gift yeah. uh, of the spirit. Now we'll get to that. I'm jumping yeah. ahead a little yeah, bit there. Yeah. Um because in uh, chapter 7 he describes the the experience of this warring mm. um and he's he's describing his own experience. Now there's a bit of a debate here about that I'm not going to go too much into, so I'm, I'm just going to summarize what I think is um, a fairly conciliatory position here that also picks up, I think, on what I think some of the most prominent commentators, where they would point to uh, in this. So Paul is, is desc- he, he describes here in, in the second part of chapter 7, the inevitable war between someone who wants to do the right thing but can't. Yeah. That this is the, That's it. you know, and, and we all know this, uh, and even as Christians, we know this. So, in a sense, he's talking about, he is talking about, in a sense, a life not empowered by the Spirit. Um, but, you know, we actually, as Christians, can live that life. Like, if we choose yeah. to not follow, because there's always a choice mm. to, because Paul says, live by the Spirit. Um, so, uh if if we don't if we don't live by the spirit, then we're bound in a sense. We're uh, linking ourselves or following the desires of the flesh, and so um, he is he is describing a, a kind of a battle here 
um, I guess, the inevitable battle between someone who wants to do the right thing but can't. And, and of course, um, in a sense, this is an experience. He, this was his experience as a Jewish Pharisee, someone who delighted in the law. To some extent, because the, you know, the debate is over, you know, is this a Christian experience or is this a pre-Christian, you know, Paul's pre-Christian experience? Yeah. I, I actually think it can be both yeah. of those things, really. I feel that too. I feel yeah. like it's about asking us the question, are we, are we aware of the fact and willing that we are going to be engaged in spiritual conflict for the rest yeah, of our lives yeah. until we are, you know, Yeah, that's right. Be- yeah, because, because I think we're not fully perfect. No perfected in this life and just to say well oh no that was paul's struggle before and and he you know once he came to jesus that was all gone um i in as much as paul was imperfect of course that 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 is uh, that is going to be present so um so i think you know i think to some extent he is drawing on the on his experience of someone who delighted in god's law yet found that he was completely unable to follow that and to some extent at least that continues uh, in the Christian life, but he points to the uh, he points to living in the Spirit as the way of overcoming that, as yes. the way of being victorious in that. Yes. Now the point is is that we're never perf- That's never going to be perfected yeah. in this life, yeah. um, and so the struggle, in a sense, remains there. Um, and I wonder where the part you know for us in our modern age is we we don't actually realise how sinful we. The sinful yeah. No, we that's right. Have, yeah, we tend to think, "Oh, I'm a good person," you know. It's like yeah. compared to someone else yeah. over there, and yet, you know, it's only by the re- revelation of the Holy Spirit that we recognise in ourselves the motivations, all those yeah. things that are constantly there, yeah. that are the constant battle that we have yeah. to deal with between that's right, what is right and what is wrong. I think yeah. we make that mistake when we think about sin in the in terms of the obvious moral lapses. Yeah, that's right. Uh, sin is actually so much deeper that's than that. Right. There is a f- a very fundamental deep seated sense of um of there's a deep seated human pride mm. in the in the heart yeah. that is you know is really at the base level that it's the difficulty of of letting god be god and it's the god complex yeah. you know the original yep. temptation in genesis chapter 3 yeah, yeah. was then you will be like god you know yeah. and yeah. and in a sense that that temptation remains there and um and and we we can be strengthened and we can against that and we can even have victory over that but it's going to be imperfect it's going to be a struggle it is yeah. going to be a struggle yeah. so you know it's I not think, a victory once won in terms of our yeah, battle yeah that's you know, right the battle will keep coming at us yeah. and we've and just I, got to keep that's right. on the holy spirit to that's right empower us through and i think even paul you know he talks about himself in the past being blameless that he was blameless with respect to the law in the sense that morally mm. he wasn't doing anything wrong. And yet there would have certainly been a lot of pride associated with that. Yeah. You know, that, you know, he reflects that in a sense, this is what changed. He, yeah. he, he his boast now is not in his works as he, as he did before, as he did before yeah. but his boast is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so while he says, yes, previously, Yes, I I was blameless. If you want to call it, in, if you want to talk about sin in terms of that moral sense, I was blameless, yeah. and yet that just yeah. brought yeah. up this pride. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, there's a great, um, well-known, I won't name him, Australian preacher who I follow on Facebook, and he po- he posted a, a, just a very short message, basically saying every time I get up to preach, 
I sin. Yeah. You know, and in a sense, yeah. talking about the pride yeah. he has in that. Yeah. You know, and this is the challenge we all face. Yeah. It's, it's so much more than just what's overtly <clears throat> yeah. seen. It's yeah. It's the motive. It's the sense of pride that we yeah. get in our achievements. That's right. You know? And yeah. we we are always, in some sense, crooked sticks. But yep. God, in His grace, absolutely, is committed to using these crooked sticks mm. to making His straight hits, so to speak. Mm. And so, you know, the grace of God is is an ever present reality and um so this is you know so he's talking about he's talking about the struggle he says what shall we say then is the law sinful certainly not Mm. nevertheless uh, i would not have known what sin was has had it not been for the law for i would not have known what coveting really was if the lord said not covet so he he talks about this idea in which the law actually brings something to the surface yes uh the law doesn't help me in any way, the law you know, doesn't, you know, by t- giving me the information, mm. uh, I'm not suddenly made into into a virtuous virtuous person. It's interesting because some uh, before the Christian era, the time of Christ, there were some Greek thinkers, um, namely Plato and Aristotle, that thought if only people knew, if you know, if only they could think more rationally. And know what is good, like really know what is good, then uh, they, of course, they would do it. And it's, you know, it, it was an idealistic, uh, yeah. very idealistic, uh, really. And because we know that just knowing, knowing it, in fact, even knowing it can actually polarize things and, and bring, and this is what Paul says, yeah. you know, the law, in a sense, brought things to the surface. Mm. And it doesn't give us any power to overcome it. It just that's right. It. Just identifies it. That's and all it, it does. And, and and this is a big theme too here. And in a sense, it condemns us. So yes, exactly. It condemns us, and condemnation does not is not empowering. Mm. It doesn't empower you to be better. You kind of just give up. So, oh, I just give up. I've because once you've failed in one place, you've failed in everything. So you know, um, and so this condemnation has this crippling effect. And what. Paul wants to say is, in a sense, the law condemns us, right? And that's its role. That doesn't make it bad because we needed to know where we stood. Yes. We needed to know that we were in a bad way, yeah. but not so that we, in our own strength, try to fix could it. try to fix it mm-hmm. by, um, you know, keeping the law it, itself. But to actually point us towards God way of, God's way of salvation that was symbolized in the temple tabernacle yes. and the sacrifices, yes. but ultimately fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And again, it didn't matter where the person was who was bringing that sacrifice. All that mattered yeah. was that the sacrifice was enough, yeah. was correct. Yeah, know? that's right. And, yeah. and the same with Jesus. You know, we, it come, we come back to that question, am I going to trust that Jesus yeah, That's enough? right. Yeah, you know? that's right. Because the, the, as he says here, the law sort of killed me, really, yeah. in one sense. The law pronounced a death sentence over my life. Mm. And again, he's he's at pains to say, that doesn't make the law bad. There's a role. That's really, really important. We need to feel what is wrong yes. in order to get things right. And so the role of the law is to n- enable us to feel what's wrong. Last episode, I used the illustration of the rumble strips along yeah. the side of the road. Yeah, yeah. The law isn't the road. Mm. Living by the Spirit is the road mm. in the Christian life, yeah. um, in, in God's, in, in the way that uh, th- that's what God wants. It wants us to live by the Spirit. But the law is there as the rumble strip. So when you're in your car and you hit a rumble strip, you get that really annoying vibration. And that, that's the point, isn't it? Yes. It's, it's to tell you when you're Something's going wrong. Not right Something's not right. Yeah. And so the law continues to play that role uh, 
for Christians even. It's it's a as we as we understand the will of God, it gives us um, it, it provides us with with boundaries to not not to um, not as a way of being made right, but as a way of recognizing when we're going wrong. Yeah, that's spot on. Mm. That's great. Um, so he says in verse fourteen, chapter seven, we know that the law is spiritual. But I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do for what I for and this is it's a tongue twister here. Uh, for for what I want to do, I do not do, yeah. but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but sin living in me. For I know that the good itself does not dwell in me, mm. that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Yeah. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. The evil, sorry, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep doing. Yeah. So, um, and then he says in verse twenty: Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin. It is sin living in me that does it. He's not. He's not splitting himself here and saying, uh, abdicating responsibility. He's saying that there is a that you are not your sin. This is an important point. Okay. Uh, and this is, I think, why a lot of people can't face that, because they identify themselves with their behavior or their desires. Yeah, okay. Oh, this is just who I am. No, 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 no. You are more than your behavior. Like that's just you, that's just your your broken nature. But there is a higher that there is a higher identity. You as a child of God, mm-hmm. you were created essentially good. That good has been corrupted. Your nature has been corrupted. But that's not you. That corruption is not the essential you. This is what he's. Same. This is what he's saying here. Right. Uh, when he says, um, "It is," good. you know, mm-hmm. if I do what I do not want to do, because he's admitting that actually I'm being something that deep down I don't want to be. This, yes. right? Yeah. That's the you know the 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 one that doesn't want to be that is the is the child of God as it were you know think about a sort of a child trapped entrapped in a um in a in a sort of a uh, in, in in a prison of uh, of addiction as it were a kind of in a way a yeah, kind absolutely. of addiction yep. to. Yep. A completely dysfunctional way of living. living, and in there, there's a child of God that wants to be free from mm. that. Uh, very much like um, people who are addicted, you know, have addicted to uh, to drugs. drugs they want to be. Yep. They, they don't want to be addicted, you know. Mm. Mm. And so there's a sense in which there's a there, there's that that higher sense of identity that wants to be what it is. Now, people don't always know who they are and, and they don't know, they don't understand who they are in God. And so this is part of the good news is to, is to you know, help people to understand you are a child of God. God loves you and he has done everything that it took to save you and you can be set free, you know. Yeah. And so this is what Paul is talking about. It's that higher sense of, of identity that doesn't want to do that thing, but his sinful nature keeps undermining him. Yeah. Um, so he goes on, so I find this law at work, although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man that I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So, th- you know, this is where he points to the fact that Jesus is, 
you know, Jesus has saved us from the condemnation of the law and is saving us through a process yeah. of, uh, of, in a sense, like a exodus in process. We are, we are being set free. So we're set free from the condemnation, but we're also being set free from the patterns of life. Mm. You know, as he says in Romans chapter 12, uh, you know, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world. And he's saying that to, to Christians, indicating that, yeah, well, they could right. be conforming too much to, but the, the you know, freedom is, is this process of us uh, stepping into new patterns of life, the pattern of living by the Spirit, and that's where he goes from yeah. here. And it's interesting he uses that word wretched, which is a pretty strong word. Mm. And again, I think that's where in our modern society we, we probably wouldn't, very often call ourselves wretched. No. We kind of think, you know, I'm not that bad. You know, I, I could yeah. be better. But, you know, even Paul here is saying, I'm yeah. wretched. You know, it's yeah. like... There's a lot of resistance to, I guess, that level of conviction. Because, again, we're only thinking about what's <clears throat> seen on the outside without yeah. actually turning in and looking at our hearts and our motivation and yeah. those things that But I think... Yeah. And, you know. we, we do. I, we resist it too, I think, because we... We're too prone to, we have too small a view of what we are. Yeah. So we tend to identify the fact that someone can um, identify themselves, their essential identity with behavior, with desires. Mm. You know, uh, there are people that, that think, identify themselves completely in terms of their sexual identity. Yeah. For example, yep. oh, this is, this is who I am, you know, and. I mean, no, no. You, you are, you are much, much more, more than, yeah. than just preference. Than your preferences. Yeah. Uh, we and but if you don't acknowledge a transcendent sense of identity, all you have is what is. Yeah. All, all we are is sort of a bundle of desires. That's what we experience. So that's mm. what I am. Mm. But no, you are so much more than that. Mm. And um, and so you know, Paul's just constantly, uh, constantly pointing to that and wanting, um the gospel to ye- to yield its fruit in that sense, yeah, yeah, the fruit great. of liberation. Yeah. He's looking for the exodus here. Yes. The prison door's been open. Yes. Now you've got to walk out. That's what he's continually pointing to. Yeah, that's great. Really good. Yeah. So we move into chapter 8 flows uh, yeah. straight out of this because he, he says, you know, alluding back to that idea that, you know, the law killed me. <laughs> like, <laughs> the law killed me. Uh, but, but I have... Um, I have died with Christ. Like, like let the law kill. In a sense, he's saying, let the law kill you. Like, let, let yourself recognize how wretched you are. Let the law kill you and die with Christ. Yes. Only in that way can you identify with Christ. So die with Christ and be raised up through baptism to a new life. Yeah. And so then he can say, there, there, therefore, there is now no condemnation yeah. for those who are in Christ, Christ. Jesus. No mm. more condemnation because... The, you already, you have already suffered that condemnation in Jesus Christ. Mm. Uh, so, um, because he says through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free mm. from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering, mm. and so He condemned sin. In the flesh, like it's done. It's done. The death penalty's passed yep. for us. Yep. You know, if you think you're not, well, I'm so terrible. At, yeah, f- fair enough. But all of that, 
there's already been stuff. All of that has been dealt with. In order that, and then this is where we come to this time, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. Mm -hmm. So he, he now points to the way in which we can fulfill the law. And obviously not perfectly, but grace covers the imperfection. And yet, I think he's indicating the fact that the Spirit of God is going to enable us to live the kind of lives that no amount of law and no amount of threats, you know, could ever achieve. So, this is where he goes, verse 5. Chapter 8, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. Yeah. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The so mind... two ways to live. Basically. Yeah, there's two, there's two ways options to live. here. It's either it's the like, yeah, and directions of the flesh yeah. or it's the desires of God as he reveals them to us, isn't it? It's almost like there are two, there are two flows. I mean, the, the, the Spirit of God brings God's desires actually into our hearts. Replaces So, you know, our hearts kind of want this. Mm. But there's some this higher identity, this higher give, you know, that true self has something to grab onto. We have another flow to step into yeah. uh, that saves us from the other flow. It's like you know being swept along uh, with a river, and, you, and you've got a hand to pull you out of that and to lead you in the opposite direction. Yeah. And this is what the Spirit of God does. The Spirit uh, is is this other flow that we can step into that is going to empower us to go the right way. So he's saying step out of that flow and into this flow. So there's still a decision to make here. And that new flow is actually going to way more and fully uh, uh, um, respond to the desires that we think we're uh, uh, satisfying in the world. It's only really in living in the Holy Spirit with, with Christ that we can actually truly have our yeah, that's right. Fulfilled. You yeah, know, that's, exactly. You know, we think we're satisfying ourselves over yeah. here, but really there's an emptiness and we don't really discover that yeah. until we step out of that yeah. and realize, wow, this is, yeah, what that's life, right. this is what life is really because about. Because again, it, you know, the core of desire is, is our relational needs, yeah. first with God yep. and then with other people. Yeah. And so we're made right with God. That's where he, what he says in chapter five. We have peace with God. It's like if you have that, and he points to the fact Listen, the world's still turmoil. It's still, yeah. You're living in the midst of turmoil, but if you have peace with God, you'll be all right. Mm. Uh, you'll be okay. So he's pointing, in in a sense, that primary desire is is fulfilled. You know, and yeah. Yeah. look, there's always an element of imperfection in that. We're gonna, you know, um, we're gonna f- fall. Away, we're gonna, f- you know, fall away. We're gonna turn away. That, but there's always grace that brings us back, back. here. Yeah. And we can always step back into that flow. So um, so he goes on in, in verse 9 to say, You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. This is a, a good point here, Stu, I think, um, because a lot of uh, – it raises the question, well, how do I know yeah. that I have the Holy Spirit? How do I know that this new covenant blessing, you know, is actually that the Spirit of Christ, because of course the Holy Spirit was at work in the Old Testament, but there is there is a special sense that you know he's in this chapter he's talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit, yes. you know, um, the, uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if you will, um, that 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 unique 
new covenant blessing. That's what he's talking about. And, he, and you always know when he's talking about that because he refers to this as the Spirit of Christ yes. in us uh, because Christ talked about sending the Spirit. And, and of course, that happened on, on Pentecost. Pentecost. <clears throat> and, um, and he goes on to say, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. I mean, the, the Spirit of it's actually when we talk about uh, so we have the language of inviting Jesus into our hearts. Yeah. When we talk about coming to faith, you know, you invite. Je- well, how does Jesus come in, come into our hearts? He comes into our hearts, you know, by the Spirit of Christ. Now, um, the the Holy Spirit is referred to as the Holy Spirit, or also equally as the Spirit of Christ. That's what we're in the in the in the creed. Um, it's said that the the Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. Yes, because Jesus talked about uh, sending the Spirit as well as uh, the, Father the Father sending the yep. Spirit, and the Spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit of God, is also referred to as the Spirit of Christ. And so, you know, Paul says, "This is the mystery." You know, Christ in me. Mm. Uh, this is this is the blessing, and this is what he. So, that, in a sense, that's what makes us uniquely Christians, as opposed to. Uh, an average Old Testament saint, on whose heart you know the the, the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, worked on their hearts. But this this unique sense of Christ indwelling in us, us yes. and us becoming the very temples uh, of the Holy Spirit. This is the new covenant uh, blessing that He talks about. So, you know, I think it's important that we don't go looking for some big experience here. That this is actually. Um, uh, because if again, if we reduce this to an experience, I think we make it too small. When we say yes to Jesus and we invite Jesus in our lives, the experience is not just one moment or one experience. It's a lifelong process that is relational. Because yeah. when we think about experience, we think of something. You know, we think, uh, and and no, we actually need to think. We have a relationship with a person. Yes. This is a person, yeah. and so you need to think of it in relational terms. It's not a it's not a chemical hit, yeah, or, right. or, or, or an experience that happened here. Yeah. And now it's gone, and we're waiting for the next one. Yeah, that's to right. Come along. And it's yeah. not some intermittent, yeah. big, you know, ecstatic something. Or no, no, it's a relationship. It's not even a power. You know, I got I some power came up. No, mm-hmm. it the indwelling of Christ by the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Yeah. It's not. An experience or intermittent experiences. I mean, it can cause experiences, okay, but most fundamentally, it's an unfolding relationship. relationship. Yep. So we are made right with God, mm. just as when I got married to my wife, to Kate, we, uh, you know, we, we got married, but we've been building our relationship ever since. Yes. You know, it's yep. a long, slow process. Yeah. It's not all ideal straight away. Yeah. And so it's very pervasive. So... Uh, a lot of people sweat over. Oh, do I have? Am I? Am I? You know? Do I have the Holy Spirit? Or you know? Or not? I mean, f- for a start, we're told to constantly be filled with with the Holy Spirit, and this really means allow God's will to permeate your life, because mm. we withhold, you mm. know. And so, the more we cooperate with the promptings of the Spirit, the more we listen to what God and 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 heed where God is drawing us, the more we build that relationship. So it's an it's it's a long unfolding relationship that is that is underway in every single person that has said yes to Jesus and invited Jesus into their hearts. So rather than sweating over, have I had some big experience? 
No, start relate. Talk to like start actually building your relationship with God. Yeah, and remembering how God talks to us. You know, it's it's yeah. it's through His Word. It's through other people. You know, yeah. it's not just going to happen because we sit here and chat. You know, yeah, yeah we can have conversations. With Again, God. that's what prayer that's is. Right. But we've been given the things that God says. This is this is my word. This yeah. is how I speak. Yeah, uh, you know, most of the time to, to people. Yeah. So getting into the Word on a daily basis, yeah. just really, and then seeking God's. All the Holy Spirit's leading and what that means for you yeah. today, tomorrow, and going forward. Yeah, I, I would say uh, b- because again, the, the word is without effect unless, unless the Holy Spirit, Spirit is doing Correct. something. Yeah, uh, you know, with that, and in in a sense, reading the Bible creates the framework for us to hear from God personally yeah. in our yeah. hearts. It's like learning the language of God. I mean, all metaphors fall short here, mm. but in, I was just thinking about this yesterday, actually, as I was. Um, as I as I just took a couple of hours just to just to be with God and listen to and and I, it was such a profound time of readjustment and and so much clarity and but so much of it was framed in biblical pictures. It's like the Bible. My my understanding of the I, it, I was reminded of of patterns yeah. in the Bible that were actually at work in my life. Yeah. So my knowledge of the Bible actually enabled me to recognize or understand the things that God was saying by his spirit in my heart. Mm. So, um, so that's where I think it's important to understand what God is saying. You need to understand what God has said. Yes. Otherwise it's like coming in on a conversation that's been going for an hour. Yeah. Uh, and you're just coming in on the last 10 minutes of that conversation. And yeah. in terms of our lifespan, you yeah, know, yeah. it's been like thousands of years yes. of conversation, you know, like the official kind of family meeting kind of, you know, is all is kind of all contained there in, in scriptures. You've got to be up with that. Yeah. Otherwise, you're not going to know what, what's yeah. the, the rest of the conversation. You kind of a bit, yeah. uh, you not you don't quite have the framework well, I think to also, really receive what yeah, God I wants to give. I think also the word is the light to the path. It's not the path. Yeah. The Holy Spirit takes us yeah, on yeah. the path. That's the, a good way. Of, but yeah, the yeah. word is the light that shows yeah. us where yeah, the path right. is. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. And so, you know, th- this is where he points to, isn't it? Because mm. he says in verse 14, um, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Mm. Um, this is what it means to be a child of God. You are joined, united uh, to God, spirit to spirit. He yeah. says, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. That is of con- condemnation, fear of, oh, no, what's the verdict going to be on that yeah. day? No, or no, abandonment, you're not yeah, good enough. Yeah, that's been covered. Be. Exactly You've, right. The, you know it's the done. verdict. Yeah. The, ver- the, the verdict is you are accepted yes. by God. Um, so he says, rather the spirit you receive uh, brought about your adoption to sonship, and by mm. him we cry, Abba, Father. Mm. Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. I think that's a remarkable oh, yeah. verse. Absolutely. This amazing, and, and I should say mysterious, Adoption. Spirit to spirit experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes, Stu, we, we wish, inadvertently wish that God was with us in the same way as you're sitting opposite a table to me and we could just talk to God like that. But that's too far for God. It's too distant. Right. God, yeah. Because yeah, right. we look at Moses, you know, it says Moses spoke with God as a man speaks to his friend face to face. Oh, wouldn't that be, be great to speak to God face to face? Oh, no, God wanted better than that. Yeah, right. He wanted closer than that. That's great. That's too far for God. Mm. So God actually communes with us mm. spirit to spirit. Mm. Now, that is so pervasive and so constant that 
again, it's the most constant things that we could easily not recognize. Yeah, that's right. You know, it's the most constant Great. things. We could easily not recognize the air we breathe or the very being that we have or or the, the laws of physics that hold everything together. They, they, they're just so constant yeah. that we don't really appreciate them. Yeah. So to God, by his spirit, is constantly mm. ministering to your spirit. Mm. And the thing is to become aware of that and yeah. to learn to live by the spirit. Yeah. That's the key. That's the key thing. That's good. And it's pervasive. It's constant. And it's the most intimate relationship we'll ever have. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode of Thrive Deeper. Our home on the internet is thrivetoday.tv. You can contact us, ask questions, see all our resources and much more at our website, thrivetoday.tv. We really appreciate the questions and thoughts about what you're reading as we go through the Bible with Thrive. Until next time, our prayer is that these shows will inspire you to go deeper and thrive. Thrive.